Welcome back to a all new episode of Necro Overtime. Hope everyone's ready to get up to date on all the latest from the Necro archives. Well, full slate tonight. Feel like I like that intro. It's very nice. No, I just kind of really gets me pumped up. <laughs> kind of free balled it. A lot of times I'd have no plan for when we go live and I just kind of go with whatever hits me. So one time you did like a necro oh oh overtime and <laughs> yeah. I was gonna pull that and put it on a soundboard, but I never got around to it. You actually like screamed that. That was really loud. That was <laughs> I had to lower that a lot. I might have been on some whiskey or something that <laughs> night. Look, I'm I, I backed myself into the corner with the uh bu- 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 bonus stuff, so I, I try not to do that. Make each ep, uh, intro unique I on like this it. one. I like it a lot. Sometimes it might be a little calmer. Sometimes it might be uh, more excitement. Depends on the day of the week. <laughs> depends what you've had uh, as far as intoxicating spirits and enter Absolutely. your body earlier in the day. Sure. I think that's a very fair statement. So anyways, it's been a while. Yeah, there hasn't really been too much to talk about in the, in the way of OTs lately, but... Mm-mm. Couple of updates I thought that uh, we should talk about tonight because we we had told ourselves we're not going to do OT unless there's worthwhile shows. We're not yeah. just going to do them for the sake of doing them. Um, sure, and say, oh, so and so mentioned this one topic once in the media. Now we need to update everybody. When there's actual updates to stories we've covered, we're going to talk about them. Not looking to waste anyone's time, right? Fucking rude, especially mine. I don't want to do that. <laughs> 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 but I think the first biggest thing is like in the media, like uh, documentaries and movies. You got a whole list over there. Yeah, there just seems to be a lot of movies and shows and uh, things coming out um, based on past shows we've done. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about real quick. Let's get a quick update. So obviously the first one that we've been hearing from a lot of people is uh, Nandor, Fodor, and Jeff the Talking Mongoose movie, which uh, came out a couple months ago. I thought it was still being filmed. Like, I didn't realize it's actually out. You can run it already, yeah. right? Yeah, we'll be doing that tomorrow or maybe the next day. He was really upset when, before we went live, he looked up and he was like, oh, fuck, this was already out. <laughs> like, he was really upset at himself that he didn't, he didn't watch this yet. It is a cast of nobody I've ever heard of. Well, Simon Pegg's in it. That's the the voice. No, the British the British guy, like from uh, Sean. Oh, Sean, I Sean the can Dead I say that? And, yeah. yeah, I don't know him. The Shaun of the Dead guy. You said it like I've seen that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can you imagine he hasn't seen Shaun of the Dead? Is Shaun of the Dead like a scary movie version of Dawn of the Dead? Mm, like they just mock it? Not exactly. Uh, like the, sort of. Yeah, I I mean, he looks like the singer from Coldplay. <laughs> He's Nandor Fodor. Okay. I'm excited to... Uh, I would watch this movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. It's a nice little surprise, actually, because I thought it was yeah. still being filmed. So maybe we'll open up. Uh, I'll try to remember to make a note, or one of us. We won't. We'll, we'll start uh, <laughs> Randy Craft Part 2 with uh, your review of, of that movie. All right, we'll see. See if okay. I remember to so watch everyone, it. Everyone better listen to OT before then. We're going to forget to talk about it, but that's all right. right. <laughs> it's cool. A for effort, though. Yeah. Okay. We'll we get mean, there someday. We mean well. <laughs> What else, Dave? Uh, the next thing I saw, it's called the Aerial Phenomenon, about the aerial school stuff in, what was it, Zimbabwe? Yeah. Is in that the, the 90s? N- is that the newest one that came out, the Netflix one? Yeah. That's a four-part series? Is it four-part? I don't know how many what, parts it What was. was it called? Aerial Phenomenon. I thought uh, it was just a full-length documentary. Yeah, that that's the full-length. About There's also one that just came out on Netflix. It was a four-part series. 
I think it's just called Encounters, but they had a whole one whole episode was dedicated to that case too. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's right. Yeah, yeah. This is a specific full length documentary about it. I watched that one. I've watched both of them. Okay, they're very good. One of the truly believable accounts that I can't just be explained away. John Mack from Harvard. Yeah, that was one of the cases he put his career on the line yeah. for. That was a this year we covered that, right? Not too long ago. Yeah, that was recent. Um like 2023 for sure. I don't remember. I think it was. It's all a blur, Mike. It's all a blur. Yeah. I think that might have been a Patreon episode too. I don't know. But that's the first time we introduced John Mack. Mm-hmm. It was actually a Sunday show we did in March of 2022, so I'm way the fuck off. And I just went along with what you were saying. Yeah. So. Well, and I tried to kayfabe like I remember <laughs> doing that show, but I have no idea what we're talking about. So yeah, I should probably go back and re-listen as well. But March of 2022. Go back and check that one out. Check it out, then watch the documentary. That was one in broad daylight the kids saw the UFO land, and a being came out and communicated with all of them. Mainly about the environment and what mm. we were doing wrong to the planet. A cautionary tale. One that we have not taken, paid no. attention to. <laughs> no, we have not. <laughs> Nor will we ever. Yeah. The ship has sailed. Yeah. What was that on, Dave? Netflix, did you say? Uh, the one Ian was talking about is on Netflix. The other one's, uh, I think you just rent it Amazon Prime, wherever oh, okay. you get your flicks from. That's where I rented that one out, mm. Amazon. This is a really good documentary. Documentaries about UFOs have been really good in the past couple of years. Got some like real quality some, stuff, yeah. Putting out some bangers. Well, it's typically the UFO documentaries look like they were shot in someone's basement, <laughs> and they're very low budget. But recently, since... You're like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm better than this. Sorry, with Tom DeLonge's documentary in 2017, everything kind of... Got some money behind it now. Wasn't that other one called Phenomena as well from last year? Yeah, that's that was the big that's one. That's the good one with like mm-hmm. the guy from Harry Reid's office and like some heavy yeah. hitters from yeah. All right, what else? If you recall the Enfield Poltergeist, this don't is the source material for the Conjuring Two. More Nando for photos. This guy's fucking all over the place. Right. There's a series on Apple TV. What's it called? Apple TV Plus now? About the infield yeah. poltergeist. It's lots of current media out mm. there on some uh, some of our stories. So go watch that and then go back and re-listen to our series on yeah, that. See if we show. got it right. See how it compares. Of course we got it right. They probably based the documentary on our show. <laughs> Did we get credit? No. Of course not. <laughs> that was a good movie. Kind of inflated the, the Warrens' involvement, right? Because they're the ones that own the story. Yeah. Not exactly the, what happened. Yeah, the Conjuring movie, Ed and Lorraine are like the superheroes of that. Do they not In reality, own... they did not even have a... They showed up for one day, Yeah, tried to do the money thing, and they were told to get the fuck out. Somehow they got the rights to the story. Yeah. Do they not own the rights, though, to just about every movie that's ever come out representing the Warrens? Like, has a movie been made that has represented them in a negative light because they don't own it? Or do they like the movies get made because they own it and they have the name value? Like they just own the story, like Amity. But that's what I'm saying. Like any stuff. of that stuff, like those movies get made, mm. they own it. Has there ever been a story that they've been a part of that they don't own? 
Like told from another perspective. Like told from, and when they're like, oh yeah, these bum fucks showed up and it was terrible. <laughs> oh, so Billy Warren's or like, here. Or do they also have just kind of that in now with Hollywood where they're like, uh, you know, we have all these stories, so. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a, that's a, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of something where they were not the main focus. We probably just, don't even know of one because they, yeah. it either gets, you know, swept under the rug or they fucking bought it and inflated their they're well, worth for it. Did they own the Annabelle stuff? They own all that rights too, right? Yeah. But they call it online like the the Warren files. Yeah. They get called a lot of times. It's just stories that they fucking bought the rights the to. Warren files. <laughs> we weren't there, but we own it, so it's our files. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, the two the head guys for Enfield was Guy Playfair, which that name doesn't sound real. That one sticks out in my head. And then Nandor Fodor was a part of that. Mm. Yeah, Nandor. Nandor Fodor might be the coolest <laughs> name we've ever said on this show. That is a name. Nandor it's Fodor. Baller name. That's why they put it in the title of the movie. They didn't just call it Jeff the Talking Mongoose. True. Nandor Fodor and Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Lead billing. <laughs> all right, any other media? That's all I got. I think Ian has one as well. Boom. I've been watching that documentary series on HBO about um, Love Has Won, the cult. You guys remember her. We covered them on Patreon. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That oh, vi- we covered them on Patreon, <laughs> you say. I know that one was a Patreon one. Right? I think it was, yeah. It absolutely was. Yeah. And that video came out with the police when they found her corpse later, which was really odd. Yeah, so I never... When we... Uh, refreshing Mike. She was the cult leader that was like super drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. And she started drinking silver Yep, because she felt that it was curing all of her issues. So she for real turned silver. Yeah. And when she died, her group said she would be resurrected. So they just drove around with her for five days <laughs> from where they were back across country. But yeah, when they got her there, they wrapped her up in Christmas lights and shit and had her body in the bed. Come on, get up. Get up. What are you waiting for? I actually do remember that story. Do you? For, okay. for whatever reason, that one sticks out. Mm. Probably because she's fucking silver. <laughs> but there's some good yeah. pictures of her silver. And I think it was police body cam footage, right? That when they went into the house and... Yeah, so when we covered it at the time, it was pretty new in the news. And that was what it was based off was like this fucking silver woman... <laughs> was found dead, mummified, and wrapped in Christmas lights. Yeah. So yeah, I went down the rabbit hole on that. Pretty, we did a really in depth one on. Mm. on we um, did that in May of 2021. Yeah, that, would, that was like right off the bat. We did that. Well, two years in. No, no, I mean like when the case, like when this oh, all I'm broke, sorry. we did it pretty early. Like that that, yeah. that film that I was just talking about wasn't even available yet because the police hadn't released it. No, I remember, that's what I was going to say. I remember talking during that episode saying, like, I can't, like, I really want to see what this looked like, the the crime scene. Yeah. Um, the documentary starts out with that, mm. that body cam footage. It's I had no, fucking weird, I had man. never seen it before. That oh, was okay. the first time of me seeing it. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to, I wish, wish I didn't that. see that. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it was really bad. She's wrapped up. And like uh, like a mummy in a you know a bed sheet and stuff, and she has Christmas lights just randomly wrapped around her body, but her eyes are open, like they're not wrapped, so you get a 
a look at her eyes. Her, her nose is missing because she's a mummy, but her eyes are wide open and she's no, silver. Fuck that. No. It's terrifying. <laughs> I don't want to see that. No. <laughs> nope. And that's in the documentary. It starts out. That's the first no. thing you see. Hmm. That's a good way to open it. Well, to hear our takes on all of that, patreon.com slash Necronomapod, we covered that a few years ago. Yeah. Before it was cool to cover that stuff. It wasn't cool back then? It was not. <laughs> I'm not sure it's cool now, but... <laughs> yeah, the, the last episode comes out tonight as we're recording this. Okay. I might have to watch that one. So I'll probably watch it tonight. And what is that on? HBO. HBO Max. Yeah. Or Max now, I think they no, call it. Max. But yeah, as I was watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember all this, all this shit. It was like jogging my memory. The two girls that kind of took over, I got judged because I said, talked about white girls drinking Starbucks and stuff, and I was <laughs> reprimanded for saying that. Well, there was one person that didn't like that comment at all. No. Was it true, though? They really do like their Starbucks. <laughs> well, the two that I was talking about did, <laughs> or do. It was a fair statement. All right, well, go check out all the uh, past Necro content in the everyday media. Go back and listen to our episodes, too. See what you think. A lot going on out there. I think they pair nicely. Yeah. I'll stand by all of our past content. What else is in the news, Dave? Well, I found this story interesting. Florida judge shares new details surrounding Casey Anthony trial. <laughs> well, so I have a boner, so <laughs> might as well talk about this. Belvin Perry talks about managing a case that gained national attention. Belvin's a Belvin's a cool name, right? I like name. Belvin. Judge Belvin Perry. Yeah. That's a that, yeah, that's a distinguished name. Yeah. Belvin Perry. You don't forget that. Name. No. He drinks his bourbon neat. Oh, that's yeah. a that's a dude. <laughs> that's a, a, I think he's a Scotch guy, Belvin. He might be a Scotch guy. Yeah. Either way, it's neat. And he sips it and Oh yeah, no ice cubes for yeah, him. He'll pontificate for you. Over 12 years ago, Casey Anthony walked out of the Orange County jail a free woman. Much of the country watched her murder trial play out on live TV, like Nancy Grace, including the moment <laughs> the jury found her not guilty. But there were some things happening behind the scenes that you didn't see. Hey, can you pe repeat that last sentence? What did the jury find her? Not guilty. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lest anyone forget. <laughs> The judge at the center of it all, Belvin Perry, joined the host of Florida's Fourth Estate to share the experience from his perspective. This includes his thoughts on how Anthony's defense team was able to get her acquitted of first-degree murder and the death of her daughter, Kaylee Anthony. Quote, Jose Baez, at the time, probably wasn't the sharpest person on the evidence code, but he was well-prepared. Coming out of the gate there against uh, Baez. And he did something that good lawyers do, Perry said. Once you determine the makeup of the, of the 12 people in that jury, he tailored his case to fit them. It's just like a great football coach. You go into any game with a game plan, but you must make adjustments. And Baez made those adjustments, and he learned how to play the jury. Hmm. I'll, I'll wait till the end. All right. I don't know where this is going to go. The jury was made up of seven women and five men who had to be sequestered for the full length of the trial. That has to be awful. Yeah, you don't like get you, you don't get, get TV, radio, phone. Like you're reading books and sitting in a hotel, right? And they bring you your meals. Yeah, I would not be happy. Are you allowed to order? Like I'd be like, yeah, I'll have the turkey club, French fries, and a bottle of Crown Royal. 
Yeah, you would have and to. that is what I want <laughs> every day. Yeah, and if you're if I can't talk to anybody, I'm gonna get fucking blackout drunk, piss my pants, and go to sleep, <laughs> like any good <laughs> juror would do. It's not very often that they do that, like a total blackout. I don't think, but I think it's those high ones. profile yeah. ones though. Like that would be terrible. Awful. I would love to sit on a jury, but not for that. Yeah, no that la- that trial lasted forever. Seemed like it was a long time. It's like six months, nine months, something. <sighs> Can you imagine? No, like <laughs> that would be terrible. I wonder if they were—they weren't sequestered the whole time, or maybe they were. I, I don't there know. There was that guy that got. Remember that dude that got uh, picked for jury duty, and he immediately walked out of the courthouse and started talking to the media. <laughs> and Judge Belvin brought him in and was like, "Did you do that to get out of jury?" And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he was hit yeah. with contempt, you know, charges, whatever. He's like, "I'll well, take which, that." And what leave. do I do? Do a fucking week in jail or s- six to nine months in a hotel? No kidding. I don't blame that guy. Some people though, if you don't have anything going on, you don't have a family. Like, all right, all right. I have no life. I'll fucking do this. <laughs> I, I was, I literally have nothing going for me. Free food every day. Yeah. Place to lay your head at night. Why not? This is great. Can I, can I do a make a career out of this? <laughs> Professional juror. Yeah. I only take sequestration trials though. I'm not available for anything else. It's on my resume. You can look it up. Perry said it was a lot of work dealing with a case that would last six to eight weeks with jurors that had to be holed up in a hotel room, but added that the Central Florida community helped to lighten the load. He said the media agreed on the best way to cover the trial, and when they found out the jury was staying at Rosen Shingle Creek, they did not publish it. We had no problem with them following jurors. So I guess the media played along. All right. The media played along in following them? And or not following and them. And not letting them, you know, I guess no TMZ type activity. Yeah. Hiding out at their hotel. Which is shit like that. kind of surprising in yeah. this day and age. Especially for that trial. That was a circus, right? Because they were all camped out in, in George's house, right? Yeah, George was out there trying to fight people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, how are you going to... F- I, I, go ahead. He said Harris Rosen also bent over backward to make sure the jurors were well taken care of while being sequestered. Who's Harris Rosen? Is that like the, the chief bailiff or something? Like who takes care of the jurors? Know, this is a weird story that doesn't explain what you're talking about. Okay. You picked it, pal. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, I did. Harris Rosen was just tremendous when we talked to him, Perry said. He gave us an excellent deal on the rooms. Oh, it must be the guy that owns the hotel. Gave us everything we wanted, even structured the meal prices to fit into the per diem, which is unheard of. They even changed the locks on the doors on the stairwell on the floor that they were on. You couldn't access it from the outside. Can you imagine, though, having that seclusion and you have a per diem? Like, no, I'm going to fucking eat what I want, and then the state can pay for it Mm. if you're going to fucking lock me up here for nine months. Yeah, I wonder what the per diem was. Hopefully it was good, but like I bet it wasn't. But also, <laughs> like you're $50. locked up. All yeah. you're really spending is on food, right? Like you're probably paying for your own porn channels in the fucking hotel if you're watching so, Debbie yeah. Does Dallas 19 or whatever. Get a media blackout on that. All you can watch is porn. <laughs> well, is that no the, news. is that the worst thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, because you can't watch the actual yeah, news. No you have news, to all yeah, porn. Just porn. <laughs> Perry said there were also times when the pool and exercise facilities were shut down so the jurors could use them uninterrupted. The TVs were also adjusted so the jurors could not watch news shows. 
Towards the end of the trial, with so many people interested in the case, Perry said the jurors were down to only three channels they could watch. To better cater to the jury, Perry said each one was allowed to have one visitor on the weekends. They could come on Saturday afternoon. They just had to be out by midnight, Perry said. The judge had to deal with some fallout from the trial as well. That includes becoming what felt like an overnight celebrity. One day we got out of court, and for whatever reason, I went by Ross on Michigan, and I went in there, and I was looking for a picture frame, Perry said. That's a store, like kind of like Marshall's, I think, Ross. When I got home, my daughter called me. She said, Daddy, someone recorded you and Ross, and they posted it on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't end there. Perry said people approached him about the case everywhere he went. Once, a group of people even started recording him while he was eating dinner. I had to stop going to the grocery store. If I did go eat, I had to eat at certain places where I could be left alone. I couldn't go anywhere, he said. Still, he said the trial was a great experience for himself (laughs) and the community. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Yeah, sounds awesome. I think it opened up to the world how the judicial system works, Perry said. You got a chance to see firsthand. Most people didn't agree with the outcome of the case, but at least they saw what happened, and I think it is very important that courts that are open to the public that the public gets to see firsthand. Nancy Grace got to see firsthand because the devil was dancing that night. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking plot. It's a little insight from the Casey Anthony judge. I do find those trials super interesting, like those trial of the century type cases. Just the process of how everything fits together. The behind the scenes is is super fascinating. I couldn't imagine harassing a juror out in public. Just because, like, they're doing their civic duty of what they are yeah. supposed to be doing. If you can get a news scoop, I'm sure. Uh... But it sounded like these were just normal people, like, just recording or approaching them or doing something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Somebody was just doing that to Casey at Disney, right? Someone just, like, snuck well, a Well, that's a her. little different than yeah. just a juror it, on the case. No, who... that was the judge, right? He was getting filmed. Belvin. Belvin? Oh, yeah. Well, he said he During became a trial, celebrity. Yeah, yeah, he became a celebrity. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's a Ross. Shop for a picture frame. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let that guy buy his picture frame. <laughs> Fuck off, man. Get out of here. <laughs> this one's a picture frame. God damn. All right, well. <laughs> I think the last one we have to cover is the Men- uh, Menendez brothers, right? The last? The last, like, massive trial that was a big public one. I think that's right. Yeah. So we that's did OJ. story, yeah. Oh, for us to cover. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like you meant like media blitz. Oh, no. I'm smoking weed, so I just like half... I come in half yeah, conversation. You, you certainly did. <laughs> I've been the doing fir- that a lot lately. The first 30 has a conversation with himself in his head, and then he starts <laughs> mid-conversation. That's he did exactly that the other day. He and I were at a wrecking crew, and he, what did you bust out with? Like I was It was me, you, and Just Brew Jared, and we were sitting there just talking, Jared and I, and you just came in with like half of a statement. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where I, I was. Ta- I was thinking about the polls with weed being legalized. I was like, "Is there any early polls? That, like something about the polls closed?" Everyone just looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" I'm not even sure it made that much sense. No, because it, it was on election day, and I would have at least known that yeah, you came made. out with something that was like, "Yeah, what happened to that guy?" And we were like, "What the? F- Ooh, what are you <laughs> talking? What are you talking about?" It's <laughs> great. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, you got one more? I do. So this is a story about the uh, West Memphis Three. The Innocence Project files a brief supporting uh, Damien Eccles' DNA effort. I think the last time we talked about this, they had, uh, was it the Arkansas Supreme Court had shut them down as far as 
doing some retesting on DNA. Yeah, and there was some stuff that was missing too. Mm. So the Arkansas Supreme Court on Thursday, and this is from about a week ago, granted a motion from the Innocence Project to file an amicus brief in support of Damien Eccles, who is asking to use new DNA testing on items from a 1993 triple homicide known as the West Memphis Three case. The brief was tendered October 23rd and filed into the court record on Thursday. Amicus curiae is Latin for friend of the court. Amicus curiae briefs are filed by a person or group that, while not a party in the case, intends to influence the court's decision, according to the Legal Information Institute at Cornell Law School. That's where Andy went. Ever heard of it? (laughs) (laughs) Eccles wants new DNA testing technology to be used on sneaker laces from the 1993 slaying of three eight-year-old boys. Christopher Byers, Stephen Branch, and Michael Moore in Crittenden County. Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miskelly were convicted of those murders, and Eccles was sentenced to death. But in 2011, with the possibility of new trials looming, the West Memphis Three were released from prison after taking an Alford plea. An Alford plea is a guilty plea entered by a criminal defendant who doesn't admit guilt but pleads guilty as part of a plea bargain. While maintaining their innocence, Eccles and Baldwin each pleaded guilty to three counts of first-degree murder, a lesser crime than the three counts of capital murder for which each man was convicted at trial. Also maintaining his innocence, Miskelly pleaded guilty to one count of first-degree murder and two counts of second-degree murder. Those are the same charges that a trial jury found Miskelly guilty of in 1994. The three were sentenced to the time they'd already served in prison and were given additional 10-year suspended sentences. Since taking the Alford pleas, the West Memphis Three have been trying to clear their names. No DNA evidence ever linked the defendants to the deaths, but Eccles believes new MVAC wet vacuum DNA testing could exonerate them. That technology wasn't available when the previous DNA testing was done. Eccles' attorneys petitioned Crittenden County Circuit Court on January 24, 2022 to permit MVAC wet vacuum DNA testing on sneaker laces that were used to hogtie the three boys. Eccles sought the new DNA testing under Arkansas Act 1780 of 2001, which is codified under the habeas corpus chapter of state law, Arkansas Code Annotated 16-112-201. I feel like I'm reading the court record. (laughs) (laughs) Habeas corpus is Latin for that you have the body. According to the Legal Information Institute, a writ of habeas corpus is used to bring a prisoner or other detainee before the court to determine if that person's imprisonment or detention is lawful. Crittenden County Circuit Judge Tanya Alexander denied Eccles' request in June 2022, stating that he wasn't entitled to the evidence examination, even if it could clear him, because state law only allows incarcerated people the opportunity to seek new evidence testing. Eccles appealed to the state Supreme Court. The Innocence Project disagreed with Alexander's ruling that Act 1780 only pertains to people who are incarcerated. Quote, the act contains no such requirement. Imposing one would deny wrongfully convicted individuals access to DNA testing that could conclusively establish their innocence, according to the Innocence Project's 32-page brief. The circuit court overemphasized the location of the act's codification over its plain language. Post-conviction testing is fundamentally different from habeas and governed by a self-contained subsection that provides unique remedies and procedures available in traditional habeas. 
DNA technology has advanced significantly since the act's passage in 2001, according to the Innocence Project. Quote, and this case perfectly captures how the act should work. Years after Eccles' conviction, scientific advancements have begun to provide answers in the case begging for them, according to the brief. It is beyond dispute that the testing Eccles seeks is capable of identifying perpetrator DNA, excluding him from being that person, and of identifying the actual assailant. How about that? Kind of a double-edged sword there. They took, you know, they had to take the deal to get out of jail. Then they yeah. had to take the Alfred plea. So now, because they're not incarcerated, they're not letting them retest it. It's the only choice they could have made, though. I mean, you got to get yourself out. The state is never going to allow this to be tested. Well, it doesn't seem like it. Nobody wants that. No. That's why they had to do the Alfred plea. Yeah. Because the state doesn't want them to be able to sue. Like, they can't. They have nothing... They couldn't file a wrongful conviction suit or anything against the state now. No, no. Like that was the whole point of it. So They didn't want to pay him, and I don't think they also want to find out what really happened because, you know. So I agree. I don't think it'll ever happen. No. hope so. That'll be interesting. It's interesting how people, there's that whole camp that really thinks that they're guilty. If they were guilty... Why do they keep trying to push for this DNA evidence? You just go away. Yeah. Like, if you were guilty of this, you would just shut up. Sure, you're already free. Just yeah. go. It's a very good point. I hope it gets done. It would be really interesting to see who was actually guilty for that. What do we think? We think it was that one guy? Everybody points towards Terry Hobbs, the one stepdad. I don't know. that The Bojangles guy is really interesting. I don't remember oh, it well right. enough. Yeah. That night. The there, Bojang- was a, there was the bloody car that went through Bojangles or something. It had blood on the windshield. And, and the, or like the, the bathroom. The, the bathroom. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah the guy went into Bojangles yeah. all bloody. And then the police were called. And they, they eventually came, but they only went through the drive-thru. They never actually got out of the car <laughs> to go in and look. Yeah, because they were fucking picking up their lunch order. They yeah. weren't actually investigating. Right, and then the next shift came in and wiped up all the blood, so it was just gone forever. (laughs) They're like, huh, just a typical Saturday night. I think that it had something to do with the Bojangles guy. I think we're fairly certain it had nothing to do with the three of these kids, though. No. I don't understand the mental gymnastics people do to still think they're guilty. Yeah, yeah. they do. mm -hmm. A lot of people do. People would get very angry online about that, (laughs) especially in the YouTube comments. People in YouTube comments get angry about everything. It's true. It's like, what? what is more toxic, YouTube or Reddit at this point, with people just saying the most dipshit things? YouTube. Definitely <laughs> YouTube. I think that's right, based on yeah. what we've seen, at least. Majority of Redditors are fine, upstanding individuals. Quite intelligent most of the time. Well, that's, that's a statement. That's a statement that's been said by Dave. <laughs> I find there's a lot of valuable information on Reddit. There's a lot of good conversations, and I think a lot... I don't know. Depends Nothing on where you like go. YouTube commenting. No. Maybe in the highbrow subreddits that I myself yeah. am a part of. Like Science. trashy boners. <laughs> <laughs> good conversations happening there. Well, and YouTube has none. Like, it's just you can comment on any video, say whatever you want to fucking say, and that's sure. just it. Yeah. I think that's why we've abandoned our YouTube channel. It lays dormant. Well, okay. <laughs> Nothing good was happening on there. <laughs> All right, good news stuff. Good overtime. Let's see updates we have. Anything else? Anything else to talk about? No, I'm good. I don't think so. 
and watch that last episode of Love Has Won. Yeah, I might have to check that one out. And then I'm going to watch some Jeff the Talking Mongoose. We'll follow up on all of that for sure. Yeah. I actually have one more late-breaking one. Someone sent us uh, um, an, uh, a DM and let us know that on HBO Max there's a new Luis Garavito documentary. Uh, hmm. Beat you to it, HBO Max. I don't know what Max. it's called. I don't know anything about it, but apparently there's a new one on there. Hmm. I might skip that one. I've had if enough I, of that yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't need any more Luis Garavito in my life. Spoiler alert, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy was a bit much. Got out of hand. Yeah, real quick. Bye.